It is Sunday evening once again as we come to you on this, the 11th of October 2020, with another edition of the Chair Shop Podcast, where we've all manner of things spooky and, and, and uh, wintry and autumny to discuss. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever dependable co host, first of all, our, our multi talented producer, Paul Griffin. I don't know that I am multi- multi-talented, but I'll accept the compliments. Yeah, you, you record the show, you edit the show, you've got a little book there you're going to be talking to us about later, you know. You're doing all sorts. You know, you've got your little brackets. I um, have been told um, that is one of my best talents, is having a book. Yeah, well, yeah, I've often... I, often I used to be having all of the school reports, has mm. a book. Has a book, brings it every day. Has a book, will go far. Yeah, um, and, and, and look at you now. Mm, I have many books now. <laughs> uh, and also joining us is he also, you know, uh, a very talented. Doesn't do as much. He does about as much of the show as I do. Uh, Mr. Joe Towner. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah, thanks. Um, although he does do the artwork, oh, so that's more, yeah, than, no, that's more than I do. No oh, oh, he does do more than you. Yeah, I, I just show up, baby, and not even that sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, we've got a jam-packed show here, so we shan't waste any time i've had a good week lads my first week in about a month not being sick um uh so i'm feeling good no ear infections no poops coming out of me at uh, uh at inopportune times and all that so uh feeling pretty damn good had a lovely weekend just chilling out max relaxing um and all that did some did a shop went to the went to the old parent shop went to deals and got myself some halloween goodies got some tinsel got some tea light holders uh spooky tinsel though a pumpkin tinsel you know um and all that what else did i get i got a lantern and that i got um a little skeleton thing that i think you're supposed to hang what i did was though i got some some twine and I tied one end to our doorknob and threw it over the frame of the door. And now he's the skeleton's hanging by his neck from the door. And I think it made the neighbor kids cry. I'm not sure. They were certainly crying in the hallway the afternoon after I got home with it. So I can't. it may or may not have been because of that. So we're getting into the season here. And then uh, yesterday, we had a, a quiet Saturday in. Uh, me, and, me and the girlfriend went and we got pumpkins. And for the first time, I think, ever in my life, I carved a pumpkin. Um, which I don't think I've ever done ever. Um, but it was good fun. Uh, one thing I will say though, it's not like the movies, uh, cause pumpkins come in weird shapes and they're, they're not perfectly round and easy to draw on and carve out. Uh, but it was, it was good. I would, de- I, I would definitely make it a yearly tradition. Um, I was trying to think, why haven't I done this before? And I was like, shouldn't this be a thing you do at school? And then I was like, well, and we were using big knives, to 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 carve it up, so that that's probably why it's not a common occurrence in the old the old schoolhouse. But yeah, good fun, and they're on display now on our balcony. Uh, so that was my week, my my illness free week. What about you, lads? Well, that Natty got a pumpkin carving like kit. Oh, she's not had a chance to use yet. Or was did you get that? Wasn't a dream or something that I had? You did get that, didn't you? Yeah, she did. Okay. <laughs> what 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 comes in a kit other than a knife? It's like a little like zip binder thing. Mm. Um and it just it's it's like you might have a little uh set of uh 
wrenches or something or Allen keys. It just has all the different shaped little scoops you might use for carving a pumpkin. Okay. Um, we we haven't uh, actually got any pumpkins in yet, though. So there's been no actual carving happened yet, but that's something that's going to happen as we get a little closer to Halloween. Sure. Um, we had quite uh, not a really a busy week. We spent the weekend at the house of Natty's parents, the old in-laws, because uh, they bought a new house. This was our first time Ooh. visiting them in their new house. Uh, that was very, very nice. Uh, we haven't seen them in quite a while because of the old global pandemic. Oh, that whole thing, yeah. In that old gimmick. Um, so we went up on Friday evening after we both finished work. Stayed there till just today. Just got back about two hours ago. Um, it's nice because what they're doing uh, a lot these days, uh, as they're building, this is like a brand new built house, is they're building houses like three story now rather than two. Oh yeah. Because they can kind of squeeze more of them in, I guess. You're getting a whole extra story. That's yeah, I quite like the uh the three story house um as a concept. Like the the stories themselves are smaller, I guess, but I quite like the idea of a sitting room on the second floor. You know, I, I don't know what it is about it. But it, maybe it's just that it's different. Maybe that's what yeah, the appeal weird, is. isn't it? Like being bit, Salvador, bit, bit, you... Salvador Dali or something. Oh, yeah, <laughs> in the second floor. With the I really floor. liked it. Um, yeah. but yeah, we spent the weekend there. I they have a kitchen table, which um has almost like a you know like a picnic table. Will have a mm. a plank of wood that goes like under the table, the entire length of the table. They, almost they can put like rest your feet on if you're sitting mm. at the sides. Mm. Uh, but I made the mistake of sitting at the end of the table uh, and promptly whacked my old Nakamura off the uh, the table three times. And now I've got a big old big old lump on my leg from where I kept hitting my, hitting uh, my shin when, off the table. When you said Nakamura, I thought you meant something else. Uh, th- that's Cockney rhyme and slang, Joey. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, wrecked the shins. Oh my god, huge lump in my shin. Or it's kind of gone down a little bit, but it's still a bit swollen. Very, very sore. The kind of soreness when you uh, when you hit your shin, you're almost like sick. It was, and I was eating at the time, so it didn't help. But uh, very, very bad. Um, apart from the old trip, which was a lot of fun, um, we started our Christmas shopping this week. Woo. Um, I pretty much, with the exception of maybe two people uh, have <laughs> finished my Christmas shopping already. Um, I'm, call me a, a, a um, doomsday prepper, if you will, but I have a feeling that there's going to be like delays of mail and stuff over Christmas because of the whole, you know, the whole COVID gimmick. The whole thing. Um, yeah. The whole thing. So I figure let's start the Christmas shopping now, get it all in, and then I can just relax over the last month while everyone's going mad trying to get stuff delivered um so got quite a bit of stuff i won't reveal any secrets because herself is no, in the bed no. next to me but um got most stuff done i think um on the old amazon.com and various other websites 
What else did we do? Uh, yes, I got some stickers delivered, right? Um, as you might know, I am a man who enjoys putting things in shelves. <laughs> Maybe that's something you didn't know. That's quite a, a, a vague description of myself, but I enjoy my my shelves with my my DVDs and my Blu-rays and my video games. Um, if you watched the live episode we did uh, a decade ago. Uh, you'll remember that in the background, behind where we were sitting, were the shelving units, which are those very same units are to my left right now, with all my films in them, and all my games in them, and all my Zelda books in them. Mm. Um, so, what has this got to do with stickers, Paul? Um, well, one thing that I, since I recently kind of rearranged the shelves to make a bit more space, I've I've like doubled up the DVDs, so I now have... DVDs in front of DVDs, basically, uh, to free up some space for putting other stuff in. I've put in my N64 games and my Super Nintendo games. Uh, But when you put the N64 games kind of side by side, because the N64 games have only got a sticker on the front, Mm. uh, it makes it very difficult to see which game is which one. Uh, So I found found on eBay a person who who makes uh, custom stickers, like labels, to put on the top of the cartridge. Mm. Um, it's a very got, adult thing to do it's a completely arbitrary thing to do it's only because I like it there's really no no um, urgent need for buying this kind of thing but um, uh, they sent uh, stickers for every single Nintendo 64 game released, I only needed about 20 of them but um, they look great, they're very professionally done um, they're about the exact same width of the sticker on the front Mm. So it looks it looks good as well. It doesn't just look like a sticker whacked on top. Mm. Uh, and now I can very easily see, oh, I feel like paying Donkey Kong 64. I pick it out right away. I don't need to take four of them out and try and get the right one. So um, I got those. I, I was looking for some Super Nintendo ones. The problem is that in the US, where most of these things get made, uh, Super Nintendo cartridges already had... Because they have a different shape cartridge than we had uh, in Europe and also in Japan, uh, they already have like a label on top. the 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 Super Nintendo label goes over the top of the cartridge, uh, so they don't have that need like we do here, where our Super Nintendo cartridges have nothing on the top of them. Uh, but what I did instead was I just bought some sticker paper, and I'll make my own. I think I, I think there's some people who have like templates you can download uh, online. The N64 ones look super, super cool. Um, I'll do a little uh, tweet out later, maybe, to show what they look like. But they're yeah. great. Found them on eBay. I think there's people who do them on Etsy as well. Um, for anyone who, 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 for anyone who's got N64 games lying around and wants to present them in a way that looks good, mm. but also is a little easier if you're into playing them, as opposed to just kind of leaving them on the shelf. Um, and then speaking of the stuff on my shelves, I started reading another book. Uh, let me grab it here for a second. Because I don't know who wrote it or what it's called. Right, here we go. So, uh, this is a, a book that was actually only delivered in the last week. Um, my Zelda book collection, by the way, is up to 12 now. Um, with two more on the way. So, I will have 14. I didn't even know they made 14 this Zelda books. But this book, yes. 
Well, no, I, I was saying I didn't know they made that many. Well, books. yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Um, when I look online for to try and seek out this kind of thing, what a lot of people collect are you know the officially licensed Zelda books. Yeah. Say. Uh, this book is not an officially licensed Zelda book. It's a, a book made by a company, a French company called Third Edition. Um, and the book is called Zelda, The History of a Legendary Saga, Volume 1. It's written by Nicolas Cursier and Mehdi El Kanafi. Uh, and what it is, is it's a hardback cover book, and they go through every single game in the Zelda series, um, kind of what the story of the game is, a little bit about the development of the game, the themes of the game, uh, and does that for every single game in the series. So it's like a 250-page book about all the Zelda games. Um, for instance, I was reading today about the um, the South American influence on Majora's Mask. How the how um, the concept of the masks and the design of the masks in the game are very Mesoamerican influenced. Um, and there's a chapter about how Majora's Mask and Link's Awakening are like the two that stand out apart from all the other Zelda games and how those two games have themes that only appear in those games etc etc so it's a really interesting like i was saying last week it's more about the games which is kind of a a viewpoint that i appreciate a little bit more maybe than just another officially licensed art book you know it's a little bit more insight into the actual development of the games so i bought um i bought two books from this company uh third editions again uh, based in france uh this one uh which is from 2016 2017 so it doesn't include it doesn't include breath of the wild but they, they put out then separately uh, zelda the history of a legendary saga volume two uh which is about breath of the wild which i also bought so i bought those two um books from that company that's pretty cool um what else have i been up to I, that's it actually yeah so I'm reading my, I'm still reading my Eric Cantona book. I'm reading my, uh, my Zelda books. I found a um, Prima, remember Prima guides? Remember yeah, that? Yeah. I found a, a paperback Twilight Princess guide for three euro on Amazon. So I picked that up as well. Twilight Princess, of course, is my favorite Zelda game. So I was happy to get that. Yeah. Um, that's about all that's been happening. Oh, well, what, what my life has basically been this week, by the way, is finish work, watch the G1, have dinner and go to bed <laughs> because um, there were six G1s in the last week. I think Friday was the only day there wasn't a show, which is why I've not had much time for doing much else. Mm. You know, I, 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 I watch G1 and I read books. That's all I do. No, I don't watch any movies. I don't watch any TV. <laughs> you are the big brain man. I watch my G1 and I read books. <laughs> <laughs> I watch some Japanese wrestling and read about the Mesoamerican influence of George Mask. <laughs> Worst episode uh, ever. This Kota Ibushi match reminds me of uh, 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 Shaved the dog's asshole today. <laughs> oh, Nat- oh. was saying she shaved the dog's asshole today. Any old dog, or yeah, I think it's just a strange rabbit dog, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it was their parents. One of her parents' dogs. 
Anyway, that's it yeah. for me. What about you, Joe? What have you been up to? Uh, I had a, had a busy day. Um, for the for the first time ever, I cooked a full roast dinner. Yeah, baby. Um, so I do I do roast potatoes quite a lot because I'm pretty pretty good at those. Yeah. Do the roasties, all right. Um, but today I also did uh, roast chicken, which I've not done before, and Yorkshire puddings, but from scratch. So not not frozen ones, not Aunt Bessie, proper homemade Yorkshire puddings. And they turned out very well. You can uh, see that on Instagram if anyone's interested. Um, but yeah, it was very very delicious. Um, I have to say. Um, give myself the old Barry Horowitz pat on the back. <laughs> very, very good attempt at the right <laughs> dinner. Um, I actually followed a recipe from, or recipes from Florence Pugh, because she does um, a lot of kind of cooking on her Yeah, own. that always looks fun. She always has a good old, good old time, very entertaining. So I followed, you know, as closely as she could, sort of what she did with the roast dinner. So that involved sticking a sprig of rosemary and a lemon up the uh, chicken's bumhole, um, <laughs> which, was, which was great. It gave us really, really good flavour. Chucked the car- carrots in there as well. They got nice and caramelised, so that was good. And uh, yeah, and then some really big monster Yorkshire puddings. I don't Do you have Yorkshire puddings over there? Have they made it across the sea? Oh, yeah, I love them. I love Yorkshire. Yorkshire puddings are fabulous. They are, listen, any... Any roast that does not have them is 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 incomplete, in Ooh. my opinion. All right, Ooh. I'll go. I'll say that for free. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, they're essentially it's pan the same kind of batter you would use to make pancakes, um, but you pop it in some hot oil in a little like kind of cake tin style thing, and it it sort of goes like a big mushroom cloud into a big uh, chewy, lovely. Bit it's of like a little in. cup shaped. Yeah. Deal. Do you put something in that then, or no? Uh, no, no, no. You tend to just um, like a cream of some kind. No, uh, no. You can um, just just fill that up with gravy. To be honest, or um, some monster munch, maybe. I don't know. If, Look, if you I like munch. Yeah. So that that is the Yorkshire pudding, and yeah, no no roast dinner complete without it. Um, obviously, I'm also in in training because um, it's Thanksgiving next month. Uh, and typically, we would go back to the, to America to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal with Michelle's family, cooked yeah. by her, her mum. And obviously, we can't do that this year. So I'm going to cook a Thanksgiving oh. dinner oh. this year. Wow. Um, so I thought I'd practice a few roasties before we uh, before we get there. Um, it shouldn't be too difficult. We're going to opt for instead of mashed potato, we're going to have roast potatoes because they're better. Obviously, they're better. They're better. Yeah, they are. They are the king. Yeah. They are the king of the potato. So um, you're going to get the cranberry sauce in. Yeah, a bit, the... bit of cranberry, some stuffing, oh, yeah. all the, all the stuff they had. All the yeah, all the American stuff, and then pumpkin pie for, for dessert. I mean, you and I, Joe, do have because of our transatlantic. Uh, relationships that we're in mm-hmm. we kind of do get two christmas dinners a year <laughs> which is pretty good isn't it mm-hmm. it is very nice yeah because while, while we don't do thanksgiving brazilian christmas is on the 24th so we have christmas dinner mm-hmm. at, like midnight and 24th and then go to my parents and have another christmas dinner it's pretty good Ooh, that's handy. uh yeah uh, so that's been that's been about it for me this week Already, that's the the life guff as we head into the the festive season. Jump into the telly guff here. I'm the only one who has any telly guff listed, so I'll, I'll run through it quickly. I finished up a couple of things I was talking about last week. I finished uh, the Comey Rule on Now TV. 
uh, more or less about what I said last week. Uh, the final episode didn't kind of change anything for me. Pretty, pretty, pretty sub substandard political uh, drama. Uh, I finished I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, last episode also, eh, kind of just could have could have done. Uh, I think it could have been cut. To be quite honest, I, I think they could have tightened it up. Uh, the, the the last episode was one of those very uh, housekeeping episodes where they kind of wrap everything up. I didn't necessarily need that, but it was good. Overall, a very good documentary, very interesting story. Uh, and the season finale of The Boys uh, came out on Friday, which was excellent. Uh, excellent finale to a very good season of TV. Uh, I, I think The Boys is uh, possibly my favorite TV show currently currently on in circulation. Um, uh, really, really, really fantastic stuff. Um, yeah, and so those are all the things I finished up, and obviously I, I'm still kind of very slowly working through Lovecraft Country, which is good. It's a it's a it's a good kind of uh, you know <laughs> on HBO kind of adult themed, but it's very much kind of a, a a romp. Every week is kind of a different sort of adventure, uh, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah, it's good fun. Uh, so yeah, that's all I've been watching on the old TV this week. Hmm. All right, no TV for me, as I said, just G one and books. Yeah, too busy, too, too busy reading. Yeah, reading and watching uh, Hiroki Goto Sun. And the uh, boys. Is uh, you squeeze any video games in? I, a little, little squeezing in the video games. I'm still on the um, the Super Mario sixty four. Mm. Uh, I think I have like eighty stars now, so I'm two thirds exactly through the game. Um, it's a great game. What more? <laughs> what more can I say? It's not really in need of review at this stage. I don't think. Um, one thing I'll say is that the camera is not as. And I think I said this last week that I, I haven't been dying as a result of the camera being bad. But really, as I get more and more used to it, I I almost don't even notice that the camera is so kind of archaic in its mm-hmm. controls. Um. That being said, some of the later levels are not quite as fun as the early levels. Like I'm on um, Snowman's Land now, which for anyone, who, for anyone who's played Super Mario 64 is the second snow level, the one that has a giant snowman in the middle of it. Yeah. And that one's just not as fun. The, the stars in it aren't quite as, as fun or as iconic as the first snow level where you have the baby penguin and the penguin race and uh, all that stuff. Um I think, you know, while towards the end there are some good levels, TikTok Clock, most notably, some of the later levels, um, Rainbow Ride, Tall Tall Mountain, Snowman's Land, are just a little boring and a little bland. Um, but I anticipate that I'll probably beat it this week. And in collaboration or in combination with, you know, playing Super Mario 64 and getting my little Super, my little Nintendo 64 stickers, I'm in a little bit of a, a Nintendo 64 itch at the moment and Ooh. i might even i might crack out um banjo kazooie or donkey kong 64 next instead of going straight on <laughs> those are two very different well they're not very different genres but they're two very different hallmarks of quality i know well i i like those games i've always well no, well, no donkey, donkey no i mean i'm saying the difference between donkey kong and banjo kazooie no well they're both rareware games and actually donkey kong 64 and banjo kazooie are just collectathons they're yeah collect a hundred bananas or collect a hundred notes in banjo kazooie yeah um, 
And then Donkey Kong 64 is the weird, the one Donkey Kong game with like guns in it. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Like it, a banana rocket launcher. It's got like a game. coconut oh, launcher right. and stuff. It's not so like weird. a Beretta or something. No, no. Well, originally it was. Originally Diddy Kong okay. had like guns in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but the, in the, in the final release, he, he's not running around like Shadow the Hedgehog. No, but you can find online like sc- screenshots of the original. Like Donkey Kong had just a, a shotgun in it. <laughs> Very, very weird. I wanted to um, pull that out in a game of Smash Brothers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've only 40 stars to go, so I'm on the, the countdown to the, the 100% uh, for the second time. Um, and one thing, like I, I have not gone back to the Nintendo 64 for a long time. Even when I played Paper Mario um, and Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask recently, I played them on uh, the Wii U Virtual Console. I didn't actually play them on. Um, well, sorry, I played Majora's Mask on the 3DS. Um, I played them on the Nintendo 64 because I was just too turned off by the controller. And even though I have it set up, I just I was like, I don't really like playing the N64. But actually, this last playthrough, I'm I'm completely used to the controller again. I kind of like the ugly aesthetic of it <laughs> like all the games are hideous looking but they have kind of a, a weird charm or a weird appeal so I, yeah, I would like to dip into like I never I never completed Donkey Kong 64 I did complete Banjo-Kazooie but I didn't um, I didn't 100% it because it's just so collect everything in the world uh, which is a little bit a little bit annoying but um, it might be time to 100% those games for the first time I also um Little little belated birthday present to me. I bought myself a game uh, that I've never played. A Nintendo 64 game. Banjo-Tooie. Ooh. I never played it. So uh, that'll be a first playthrough as well. So Anyway, Super Mario 64 is all I played. Nice. Uh, what about you, Joe? You get much use out of the old switcheroo? Oh, still playing it a lot. Um, so I kind of I put Odyssey away now because I got a bit. Mm. I was, I was going to complete Luigi's Balloon World bullshit, but it's just so tiresome just collecting balloons over and over again. So I've got yeah. that way. Not going to bother with that. Um, been playing. We started playing Super Mario Thirty Five after our discussion last week. Mm. Um, that was a lot of fun. I found it more fun than Tetris because I think te- the Tetris Ninety Nine game is just so intense. Yeah, and you have to be so on top of like you know the strategy of sending the blocks to other people and stuff like that. I found that really tough. Um, whereas with Mario, you put, you're essentially just playing Mario, but it's a bit more difficult because there's more more enemies to kill. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, started off pretty well, kind of top top five quite regularly. Finally managed to win a game, um, and then kept playing one another one. I've kind of put it away now, to be honest. I'm not sure if I'll play it much more again because. I think after after winning a game, it's like okay, well I've you know proved my point. Uh, that's, that's that was fun, but I don't want to play it too much more. Right. Um, so it's, but it was it's definitely a good game though, and I, I I quite like that kind of you know genre of weird, slightly competitive speed running type games. So if they want to do that with Super Mario World or something, I'd definitely yeah. be interested in, in playing that. Um, yeah, so that that was a lot of fun, uh, and then I went back to playing Super Mario Three. The uh, All Stars kind of revamped, refurbished version. Um, so I played Super Mario Three as a kid, but I think I actually got it not long before I got the SNES. 
Uh, so I didn't actually play it that many times. I, I, I finished it, but it wasn't a game like the original Super Mario or Super Mario World where I played it, you know, endlessly as a kid and it kind of burned into my memory. So I don't have as m- that kind of nostalgic fondness for it as much as the others. Um, but it's, it's a pretty fun game. It's, it's pretty bonkers, uh, even by Mario standards. Uh, it's got the, the Tanuki Mario and all of that in it. Um, yeah, yeah, fun game. Finished that again. M- made use of the, um, you know, the save points. We could literally save, you know, <laughs> any point. Because I was going to go back and start every bloody world over and over again. Um, but yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Completed that. So I've actually completed Super Mario World, Super Mario Odyssey, and Super Mario 3 all in the same three months span so very pleased with that and i'll, I'll probably move on to 64 next oh. in the next few weeks 64 is where it's at what a game <laughs> this is gonna be a, like we're gonna move on from simpsons and just be a mario 64 <laughs> podcast <soon. laughs> um i've also been playing some mario game um mentioned it be, uh, briefly last week uh, i'm playing a bit more of that paper mario uh i'm enjoying it uh, uh it's 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 surprisingly humorous uh which yeah. is really yeah. not a thing you'd ever associate with a mainline mario game um yeah and it's just that that kind of general kind of sense of of, of whimsy and 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 the, the kind of cheeky dialogue is keeping me going through it. I'm, I'm getting a bit more into the combat. They've added a few more wrinkles to it as it goes along, so it's a little bit more engaging. Uh, yeah, so I'm enjoying it for sure, and it's a it's a good kind of uh, game to kind of pick up uh, when you're looking for something sort of not taxing, say, at the end of a work day. And, you know, it's put like a half hour, 45 minutes into, you know, meet some wacky little characters and, and uh, do some brief combat and stuff. It's great. Yeah, really enjoying it. Not uh, not any kind of essential run out and get it, but I, I, I'm enjoying it quite a lot. Uh, but anyway, that's that's enough Mario talk for this week. Time to talk about a real platforming legend now. we got to talk about the new Crash Bandicoot game, which I got <laughs> on the old uh, PlayStation 4. Crash Bandicoot 4... Uh, doing the whole thing where they're like, forget all that other shit that's been out in the last 20 years. This is the real sequel. This is the real next chapter in the, uh, you know, in the, in the series. And uh, yeah, so basically I, I've sunk about four or five hours into this and I, for the most part, really, really, really love it. It's actually really fantastic. So it basically follows a very similar format to the original three games, or I guess more accurately, the the sort of remastered trilogy that they put out there last year, which was those those three games from the PlayStation, but basically remade in, in lovely fancy graphics. So yeah, it's basically more of that. It's, it's your kind of... Uh, 3D platforming, but you know, very linear levels. It's like they have it. They have not changed the formula in any way. Where like now, it's an open world game. Now it's trying to be, you know, it's trying to be Mario. Now, now it's very much still. Uh, you're playing, you know, Crash Bandicoot levels with that same art style, that same move set, um, and you know, you're you're generally running in a kind of straight line through a level. Every now and then, it'll switch perspectives. Um, there's the occasional vehicle level or, or things like that. All that stuff is 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 there. Um, and yeah, the, the, the kind of gimmick that they've added is that there are, um, uh, world specific power-ups, uh, one of which, uh, is, 
basically by pressing uh, R2, you'll make certain platforms appear and disappear. So there's a lot of uh, jumping off one and then midair pressing R2 to make the next one appear. It's very tough. It, this is a hard, hard game. Like those, I think like people found out when they remastered those originals, like these are not actually super easy games. Uh, they're very, very tough, especially if you pride yourself on, you know, um, completing a level 100%. Because I think a big a big thing about this game is that they really surface and draw your attention to uh, 100% completion. Like, here's all the stuff you can get in this level, and here's what you got. Um, I think there's a big emphasis on replay value. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really liking it so far. I think all the new gimmicks they added are mostly very good and satisfying to use. It looks great. It sounds great. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's not as funny as something as Paper Mario, but it's got that kind of charming kind of Saturday morning cartoon sort of uh, logic and, and, and animation to it. So, yeah, really, really enjoying it, uh, but it is super tough. I was getting very animated earlier this afternoon, uh, much to my girlfriend's amusement, because <laughs> so I was getting very frustrated. I don't know how these are, are technically games for kids, although I will say um, technically a game for kids, uh, I, I got to a level there where you, you get to play as one of the bosses from the former games, Dingo Dial, and he says bastard. Now, I, I can't believe, and his weapon is a gun. So, so, so I, I, I maybe, maybe crashes after getting hardcore all of a sudden, and it's aimed at the grown ups. But, uh, but yeah, so that's the game go for this week. Uh, Crash Four, uh, really strong recommendation if you if you are into those games. Um, yeah, that's the the game go for all of us this week. I think is it. Yeah. Uh, righty. Uh, am I the only one who's watched a movie this week? Wow, it's no, no, no movie watching this week. For any other. all right, I'll rip through these anyway. So I watched a lot of uh, the old spooky movies, uh, a lot of which I had seen before, and I think I've talked about these mostly on the show before. I watched the just because it was on Netflix, and we wanted to have something to watch while we were carving pumpkins. I watched the remake of Friday the Thirteenth with uh, Jared Padalecki. Uh, it's not very good. It's kind of your typical uh, kind of crappy slasher remake of, of that era of 09. There's like some amusing kind of humorous kills in it. I think probably the most the most notable one from this movie is there's this guy. He's like uh, in a speedboat and his girlfriend is like uh, um, ski, uh, skiing off the back of it, whatever you call that. Uh, and she accidentally falls off. So he turns around to go get her. And then Jason shoots him in the head with a, a bow and arrow, and then the guy runs over his girlfriend with the, with the boat, which is uh, which is amusing. But the problem is that that like there's bits of that in this movie, and then the rest of it is kind of played straight. It's not, it doesn't kind of lean enough into the wackiness. I don't think, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame because some of the Friday the Thirteenth movies do, like Jason X and stuff like that, are just straight up played for comedy in a lot of ways um so uh yeah that's not great it's kind of it's kind of just it, it's it's decent enough like trash to stick on of that the was, of, of the halloween season you know that was the most recent friday the 13th film as well is it? They haven't done it yeah time. i was my so my girlfriend was asking i'm not a, i'm not a big friday the 13th mm-hmm. and she was kind of like, oh well, like what one is this? I was like, yeah, this is the remake. And then when they saw it was 2009, I was like, wow, they, they have not done anything with that franchise in a decade, which is weird. Um, they let it breathe. They're going to bring it back. Yeah. In a big way. Yeah. Because uh, they did what? Like uh, 10 main ones and then the, the Freddy yeah. movie and then this one. Uh, yeah. So yeah, maybe I, I would be surprised at all. Yeah. If, if like post COVID when movies are filming again, if, if someone will say, let's blow the dust off Friday the 13th, bring it back. 
Uh, again, other you know, this is I, I tend to watch a lot of just like my favorite scary movies during Halloween. I don't want don't necessarily watch a lot of new ones. So rewatched a, a couple of those uh, Blair Witch Project. Obviously, we've talked about that in the podcast. We've all watched it. We've all reviewed it multiple times at this stage. I'd say I I, I still love it. Uh, the Strangers, the Liv Tyler. Um, I can't remember who the husband is, but the but the husband's brother is Dennis from Always Sunny. Um, uh, home Invasion uh, movie. Uh, I remember really liking this when I first saw it. I don't think it held up especially well, unfortunately. Um, it has a really slow pace early on and a very quiet, creepy tone that I really like as they kind of establish the central relationship. And there's like probably the most famous scene from this movie is there's that scene where Liv Tyler is in the kitchen. It's like a wide shot of the of the kitchen as it looks into the, the living room. And one of the killers, who's just the guy with the sack over his head, just kind of slowly just walks into frame and watches her. And it's very it's very uh, uh, quiet and kind of very unsettling. And, and it kind of gets across that idea of someone just being in your home watching you. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of always forget, though, and I've seen this movie a couple of times, is that then it kind of just descends into, like, jump scare... Um, uh, you know, it, it becomes a very by-the-numbers uh, slasher uh, after that point, which is a bit of a letdown, uh, uh, which is because I, I think it starts really strong. But uh, Strangers is all right. It's always an all right watch. Um, I rewatched Revenge, uh, which I've talked about last year on the show. Uh, really, really, really great. Uh, that's on Shudder, if anyone, you know, like myself, gets the old... Uh, October uh, uh, month of Shudder to watch the, the spooky films. Uh, Revenge is excellent. I bumped that up to uh, the full five on the letterbox on a rewatch. That is a superb, tense, gory, uh, horror-ish action movie um, uh, for the season. I I love that film. It's really fantastic. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed that. And then I watched some new stuff. I did see some new stuff. I watched Corpse Bride for the first time. Um, which was just nice. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It was a it's a nice little uh, Halloween animated movie. Animation's really great, like all the the music and all that stuff. The voice acting is good. Not much to it. It's you know less than ninety minutes. The plot is what you'd expect. Um, yeah, probably probably in the upper echelon of the Tim Burton stuff that I've seen. Yeah, you know, uh, um, maybe maybe on the higher end of his new stuff, which isn't very good. Um, yeah. And then I watched uh, Evil Dead 2013, which is the uh, was that even uh, reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it. They, they, again, they didn't make a sequel or do anything else with it. Uh, just the reimagining of the Sam Raimi classic. Uh, Love the Raimi films. I have not seen this before. I thought this was quite good. Um, it's in the spirit of what those original movies are. It's very much trying to be this sort of boundary pushing, we're going to do shit tons of gore, but also mm. going to do like lots of practical effects. Like I, the, I think the way to fudge this and completely ruin it would have, would be a mountain of, of crappy CGI and, and um, uh, stuff like that. They did tons of just it really, really gross stuff with uh, lots of even, you know, coming seven years later, lots of very convincing, very gross uh, practical effects uh, I really liked it. I I th- I, th- I thought it was on the cusp of being great, uh, only for the fact that it it 
plays its characters a little bit more seriously. It descends into mayhem, but it does kind of have an opening gambit of kind of trying to get you invested in the characters. It just didn't land with me, unfortunately. And so I think it, it the film almost would have been better if it didn't bother to do that, if that makes sense. Um, because instead it was just this this element of the film that just didn't work. But uh, once it got going, I was very pleasantly surprised because um, I don't really hear much about this. I don't know if people love it or hate it or anything like that, but I uh, uh, I quite enjoyed it. Um, uh, yeah, and that was uh, that was all the movies I watched. So there's all your your uh, 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 spooky films there uh, for the second week of October. Well, speaking of Corpse Bride, right? Yeah. Of course, is Tim Burton being mm. directed with someone else. Uh, yeah, have so yeah, cool, have cool, you seen? Yeah. You, you might well have seen it already, but have you seen um, Coraline? No. Okay, because if you're if you were looking to watch a kind of Halloweeny film of that ilk, um, mm. that's where I would go. It's it's not Tim Burton, obviously, uh, but it's directed by Henry Selick, who did direct Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Which a lot of people attribute to Tim Burton anyway, which he only produced on. Mm. Um, Coraline is, I loved, I thought it was tremendous. And it's maybe something that I'll revisit uh, Halloween. It's not out now to horror movie. It's obviously, it's like a, it's like a PG-13 movie, but it's, uh, it's, it's a little spooky. It's a little eerie. Yeah, well, that's all right. It's nothing wrong with, you know, I, I don't mind uh, some sort of mild Halloween themed program. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, doesn't have to, which is funny. Actually, I watched I think everything on this list uh, with my with my girlfriend, and she's not a gore hound at all. Uh, in, in fact, she was only just because she really likes the boys. But she was like, "There's a lot of exploding heads in the boys. Lots of heads exploding. Lots of people covered in brains and viscera." Um, um, and she and and she was quite exhausted after this week of, of movies. I think I think some non. Uh, uh, Gore-soaked movies would be a nice change of pace. So maybe we'll add like uh, and the Evil Dead after that as well. Yeah, yeah. Which was like what we we were looking through suggestions. And I was like, oh, Evil Dead. I haven't seen this. She's like, ah, oh, it's crap. I, I didn't even finish it the last time I watched it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I suggested something that's just like, hey, I'd rather watch Evil Dead. And I was like, okay, well then, if you would rather watch Evil Dead, we'll watch Evil Dead. <laughs> um, but it's funny. It's like I, I think I remember I, I talked about it when I first watched the film. Um, and I knew this scene was coming, and I was I was le- legitimately giddy. There's a scene in Revenge where um, this guy is in pursuit of the main character, and uh, he has taken off his 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 boot and his sock to tie up a, a, an injury he has. And so the main character, while she's on the run, she smashes her um, uh, flashlight on a rock, and then he runs over it barefoot and gets a huge slice of glass. Um, into his foot, and there's like it's like a full like, like home two, alone. It's like a full two minute scene of he get he has to, he has to sit down on the ground and dig around this very convincing prosthetic foot, um, uh, pulling out this shard of glass, and then he gets into a car and tries to run her over. But every time he slams on the the gas, there's like this geyser of blood comes out of his foot. <laughs> oh, it's a good movie. Um. Yeah, but unfortunately, yeah. I just had a peep on Netflix and Amazon Prime, and Coraline is not on there. Wow, but I might, I might just rent it off the old Google or whatever. Um, it's, it's a damn, damn good movie. Um, it, it's um, it was the first of the uh, the Leica movies, which oh yes, yeah. So uh, it's a stop motion 
movie with kind of a a, a Tim Burton feel in a good way. Uh, yeah, I'll add that to the old letterboxed watch list before I forget. Uh, okay, there we go. Uh, yeah, so that is all the movie guff this week. Uh, trying to think, I've gotten gotten through a lot of the hits for the old Halloween season. Um, one thing that's on Shudder that I've never watched, I've never watched any of the Hellraiser movies, and they're on there. Mm, uh, I might watch that. Also, I ordered, because it was like eight quid, I got the uh, Blu-ray of The Exorcist, which I haven't watched in years. I haven't watched The Exorcist in fucking ages. I've actually never seen The Exorcist. Oh, I think you'd like it. It's fucking excellent. Um, um, uh, yeah, Ex- Ex- Exorcist is is great. Um, yeah, I think the consensus on Hellraiser is outside of the first one, avoid. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of the old horror stuff. I'd say that about The Exorcist as well, because um, they made a lot of very ill-advised sequels to that. Um, anyway, shall we jump into the bracket? Yes, do it. Let me get it open here. So, as we said, we're into our final eight. We're into our quarterfinals. Um, what I've done is I've bookmarked every uh, every episode in my book here. The Simpsons, A Complete Guide to Our Favorite Family. So, what I'll do for every episode is I'll give you a little run through, as if we as if we need to be reminded, but a little run through about the episode and some of the uh, the notable lines and notable stuff from each episode okay okay so we'll start with um we'll start with homer the great which is mm. page 162 the, the notable thing about this by the way right this book is on each page it has an episode right but certain episodes have a double page spread oh uh homer the great is one of these two of the episodes do not have uh, two page spreads. They're single pages in our in our quarterfinals, and those two, and those two will be revealed at the end. I okay. don't want to say anything that might uh, bias your um, your pick. So no, no, Homer no, no. the Great, Homer the Great, as we know, is the Stone Cutters episode. Um, doesn't so much have a a B plot to it. Really, only as an A plot. Um. Which is Homer Homer with the stone cutters. Um we have um the song, the obviously the very famous uh, song, the we do song that everybody knows. Um you have uh, Grandpa Simpson, I'm an elk, a mason, a communist, I'm president <laughs> of the gay and lesbian alliance for some reason. Uh here it is, the stone cutters. Mm-hmm. Homer talking to Marge about feeling left out. Why don't those stupid idiots set me in their crappy cr- uh, club for jerks? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then my favorite line from the episode, Homer, a man who called himself you-know-who just invited you to a secret wink-wink at the you-know-what. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, I'm going to stalk Lenny and Carol. <laughs> um, uh, so Homer the Great um, featuring Patrick Stewart as number one. Do either of you guys remember what Homer's number was? No. no. Nine, number 908. Mm. Um, and then I, uh, one more little moment here, which I 
thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Homer pulls a, uh, pulls a sticker with a hammer on it out of the membership pack Lenny gives to him. What's this? Lenny says, you put that sticker on your car so you don't get any tickets, and this other one keeps paramedics from stealing your wallet while they're working on you. Carl, oh, and don't bother calling 911 anymore. Here's the <laughs> Carl hands Homer a car that reads 912. Um, so that's Homer the Great. And Homer the Great is up against another... Uh, sorry, no, it's not season six, season five episode. Deep Space Homer. Page 136. Uh, the Inanimate Carbon Rod. Um, again, doesn't seem to be much of a B-plot on this one. James Taylor uh, on ground singing the song to, to the crew. Um, is this the episode where yeah, Homer at, at the beginning doesn't win worker of the week and he it feels like he, he never will but there's like a union rule that he has to but doesn't homer win employee of the of the month earlier on in the series is that in homer um i don't know i'm pretty oh, yeah. sure i recall watching an earlier episode recently where he wins employee of the month and Thinking that it, it wasn't that a plot point in uh, Deep Space Homer? Uh, yeah, I remember that. We can maybe look that up later, figure it out. Um, what do we have here in terms of good moments? Uh, Kent Brockman, uh, we love Kent Brockman on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've just lost a picture, but what we've seen speaks for itself. The Corvair spacecraft has apparently been taking o- taken over, conquered, if you will, by a master race of giant space ants. It's difficult to tell from this vantage point whether they will consume the captive Earthmen or merely enslave them. One thing is for certain, there is no stopping them. The ants will soon be here, and I, for one, welcome our new insect overlords. I'd like to remind them that as a trusted TV personality, I can be helpful in rounding up others <laughs> to toil in their underground sugar caves. Um, and then we have uh, Homer nobody respects me at work Marge well we respect you Bart secretly writes insert brain here on the back of Homer's head (laughs) (laughs) she then does the uh, the three stooges Um, uh, (laughs) Homer I don't think this contest is over yet Buzz if that is your real name I believe there is still a little something called a swimsuit competition Aldrin there's no swimsuit competition Homer Homer you mean I shaved my bikini zone for nothing Um, so we have Deep Space Homer up against Homer the Great Mm. what do we think (sighs) Mm. uh, these are very carefully balanced for me I can't. Uh, I think they're both really good episodes. Lots of kind of funny moments. A bit kind of weird in terms of the story. They're quite sort of high concept. You know, it's not yes sort of down to a family story. Like they're quite kind of mm. almost movie movie esque. You know, Homer joins like this you know secret society or goes into space. You know, but but, but really good episodes. Maybe um, we should tell them the big secret that all the chimps we said to space came back super intelligent. No, no I don't, don't think we'll be telling them that. Um, <laughs> a chair swivels around, revealing a chimp in a suit, wearing glasses and smoking a pipe. 
tremendous. Oh, I think I'm leaning towards home of the great. Um, yeah, I think I, I think that's I think it's easily home of the great for me because the the song the song is is great. I, I will since I have deep space Homer still open right. Mm. Just to to play devil's advocate here. You're right, Marge. Just like the time I could have met Mr. T at the mall. The entire day I kept saying, I'll go a little later. I'll go a little later. And then when I got there, they told me he just left. And when I asked the mall guy if he'd ever come back again, he said he didn't. (laughs) So, um... Are we going Homer the Great? Is that what we're doing? I, I think so. I'm, I'm going Homer the Great. Okay. I will give my vote to Deep Space Homer. Huh. Based on nothing. Actually, I had one of you guys voted for Deep Space Homer, I would have voted for Homer the Great. But just in the in the uh, the interest of the Deep Space Homer, I think is a better episode than is deserving of a whitewash. Yeah. I will go for Homer. So deep home of the great is through to the semi-finals. Good stuff. Okay. Now, if that was two very similar episodes, we have two very different episodes. We have Homer Badman from season six. Right? Which I'll quickly run through some stuff. If I can find it here. Da, 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 da. One, five. Yeah. Uh starring n- not starring a guest star is Ashley Grant. Who is the uh, the student? Mm. Actually, Grant, identity, grad student and feminist crusader, believes boys are susceptible to video game lures, sensitive to sexual harassment, particularly from balding, paunchy, drooling sugar freaks. Uh, turn offs, having her butt grabbed, having her space invaded, having sexist interaction. That's a little character uh, rundown for Ashley Grant. Uh, the new Fox TV movie starring Dennis Franz as Homer, Homer S. Portrait of an Ass Grabber. Um, what else do we have here? We maybe go to the uh, to the quote section here. <laughs> Godfrey Jones. Uh, tomorrow on Rock Bottom, he's a foreigner who takes videos of you when you least suspect it. He's rowdy, ruddy, peeper. <laughs> yeah. Homer, oh, that man is sick. Grandkeeper <laughs> <laughs> right. really saved you, Homer. But listen to the music. He's evil. <laughs> Tonight on Rock Bottom, we go undercover at a sex farm for sex hookers. <laughs> I keep telling you, I just grow sorghum here. Uh huh, and uh, where are the hookers? Around the Around back. back. <laughs> <laughs> Good shit. Um, somebody, so here's Homer's original statement, right? Somebody had to take the babysitter home. Then I noticed she was sitting on the gummy Venus, so I grabbed it off her. Just thinking about that sweet, sweet candy. Sweet. I just wish I had another one right now. Man. And then the, the the statement as broadcast, somebody had to take the babysitter home. Then I noticed she was sitting on her sweet can. So I grabbed her sweet can. Oh, just thinking about her can. I just <laughs> wish I had her sweet, 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 sweet. It doesn't have the um, Mr. Simpson. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> it doesn't have that here, but that is obviously the uh, the payoff to that. But so Homer Badman, right? 
up against maybe the little underdog here. Lisa's substitute from season two. Oh. If I can find that. Here we go. Uh, Sam Etik, the guest voice as Mr. Bergstrom, obviously a pseudonym for Dustin Hoffman. Does it mention that here anywhere? Does it mention it? Does not seem to mention that it was Dustin Hoffman. Um, sometimes these books will keep kayfabe. <laughs> Basically, yeah. This 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 is uh, not breaking kayfabe here. It's so funny, given what happened eventually would happen to the Simpsons, that some of the original guest stars went under pseudonyms. Uh, yeah. Later on, every single episode would have the celebrity front and center, much to the the detriment of the show. This is the episode, of course, that. Um... Miss Hoover had Lyme disease, or thought she did, which is why there's a substitute. Dear Miss Hoover, you have Lyme disease. We miss you. <laughs> Who's the key? It doesn't have the line here where Ralph is reading the letter out, but he says, someone keeps biting me. I don't know who that is. Um, uh, this is obviously the one where Martin wins the election, which I very cleverly used as a meme when Scotland uh, did not vote for independence. Mm. Uh, very, very clever there. Ooh, controversial. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Lee Substitute is not one with a huge amount of... No, it's not a, it's not a big quote a guy, you know, yeah. Uh, no, there's not really much here, unfortunately. Uh, there is a first, though. Right? Notably, this episode features the first ever antagonism between Homer and his own brain. That actually is an interesting enough trivia point, to be fair. Yeah. This is also uh, the origin of the oft-used, overused now, uh, sex, now that I've got your attention, vote for Bart. Uh, so there you go. Although, as we said before, the the appeal of Lee Substitute is not necessarily the jokes. It is uh, the pep talk given by Mr. Bergstrom to Lisa at the end of the episode. Um. So here's the, here's the last uh, the last act of the episode, right? Um, devastated by Mr. Bergstrom's departure, Lisa takes her grief out on Homer, calling him a baboon. With Lisa grief-stricken and Bart reeling from his election loss, Homer decides it is time to act like a father. After he gives Lisa a pep talk, she apologizes. Next, he pays Bart a visit, pointing out that being class president is a non-paying job and requires doing extra work. Homer makes Bart glad he lost the election. Although it is still early, he asks Marge if they can just go to bed, saying he's on the biggest roll of his life. So we, aside from the Lisa uh, teacher you know, ending... You have this the second nice ending of Homer being a good father, which is something that you don't see too often in the series. Mm. So we have to put them against each other. Homer, bad man, Lisa's substitute. Where are we going? Hmm. I, well, I, yeah, go uh, I, I, I think for me, Homer, bad man is, is chock full of, of great gags. It's it's just a laugh every few seconds. Great parodies and great great commentary on the kind of media media 
sensationalism, which is still incredibly relevant today. The, the, the yeah. kind of 24 hour news, rolling news footage and everything like that. Um, yeah, I think Homer Birdman is a clear winner for me. Okay. Yeah, I think I will, I will also go Homer Badman, which, you know, a part of me is sad because Lisa Substitute, it was the, the one remaining heartfelt, let's call it, episode. Yeah. Uh, and, and now is eliminated, which leaves only uh, the extremely funny episodes, which, you know, is, is by no means a bad thing, but um, is notable nonetheless. Um, okay, we'll go to our, uh, our third quarterfinal. We have Bart of Darkness from season six, mm. um, which is you know is the rear window parody. He's going to kill Rod and Todd too. That's horrible, in principle. <laughs> uh, hello, uh, Mrs. Uh, Bart. Is your pool ready yet? <laughs> um. One thing that was we referenced before, uh, Young Krusty, during the summer hiatus, Krusty's show runs classic Krusty episodes. The first from February 6th, 1961, features a discussion on collective bargaining agreements with AFL-CIO chairman George Meany. The stuff you may have missed, right? The pictures on the wall of Jimmy Stewart's room featuring a race car wreck and a plane are the same ones used in Hitchcock's rear window. So not only is it thematically kind of a, a parody, it, it makes direct reference mm. to actual stuff from the movie. Um, good pun here. That might've been a little bit overlooked, right? The sign at the pool shop, pool sharks, which is the name, right? Pool sharks where the buyer is our chum. That's pretty clever. That's no, I like, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Um, what else do we have here? Da, 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 da. Millpool. Millpool. <laughs> um, I, I will say, though, I never liked or found funny the uh, your epidermis is showing bit where Bart falls off the thing and he goes, well, mm. epidermis means your hair, which, you know, is wrong. And that's, but like, I never found any of that funny. But I think that's because it's an act, well, I never, I'm, I, with, um, I agree, but it's because it's like, that was an actual shitty joke that was done in school all the time. Yeah. Lisa's brain, they're only using you for your pool, you know. Shut up, brain. I got friends now. I don't need you anymore. Um... The uh, the Maud Flanders for some reason is the highlighted character for this episode. Um, she's not really in the episode. Oh, well, she she she's in, her her absence is is actually the plot of the episode, I guess. Um, so anyway, Bard of Darkness up against. Let's not waste any more time here. Season six is A Star Is Burns. <sighs> Where do I start with this one? Um, some of the movies, right? A Burns for All Seasons, which is Burns' propaganda film about himself. Bright Lights Beef Jerky, Apu's entry in the film festival, which is CCTV footage of the Quickie Mart. The, the iconic man getting hit by football. Um, 
and Pocahontas, Barry, uh, Barney's sensitive documentary about his alcoholism. Uh, notable uh, stuff you may have missed. Um, crusty accent in the play Sunrise at Campo Bello, which when he gets out of the wheelchair and goes, oh God, I'm crippled. Um, what else? Two of the writers of Burns' film are named Lowell Burns and Babalu Smithers. That's definitely something I. <laughs> I I've never, I've never actually looked at the credits of that. I'm sure I've often meant to. Um, I mean, do I, I, I don't really need to go on and on about. No, Star we, know, we know it's Star we've, Star. we've been there. Yeah. But, um, I'm going to be voting. You might be surprised to hear here. For Stars Burns. <laughs> mm. Well, that's fair. That's fair. How can you vote for Burns' movie? Let's just say it moved <laughs> to a bigger house. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, that get, oh, that's the legacy of that is actually under discussed. It gave us the quiet part loud. Yeah. <laughs> which is used in like political conversation once a week these days, it feels like. The film is just me in front of a brick wall for an hour and a half. It cost $80 million. How do you sleep at night? On top of a pile of money with many beautiful ladies. I, so I watched the episode on Disney Plus and they had, they'd had included the Woody Allen joke. Yeah. Which I'd never heard yeah. before, which is pretty shocking. Like the, oh, I like to sleep with little girls. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, I, I, so I was shocked as well and I I asked about it on Twitter. I was like, I have never heard this joke before. I assumed it was always cut on Sky or Channel 4, but a bunch of people were like, no, no, it's in there, it's in there. I think they're wrong. I, I had heard it before. I, but that you that must be from DVDs. I don't remember ever, because I've seen that episode a million times on TV, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Difficult to say. Because I, I always remember him, he shoots the machine gun and then the hand grenade, so... If that joke was edited out, I don't know how they would have done it Mm. in a way that made Mm. sense, you know? Um, Doesn't really have too much else about the episode here. This is um, one of the things I was mentioning earlier. I won't make it into a little quiz or anything, but A Star is Burns is one of the episodes that only gets one page. Mm. Well, you know, I feel like we love it more than most people love it. Yeah. Um. It has. It doesn't have the. Uh, which I'm pretty sure is from this episode. Well, it does have the uh, Smither saying a film biography might help them to get the re- no to, to get to know the real you, virtuous, heroic, nubile. You left out pleasant, and he hits him with a scepter. Isn't Starsburns the one where they say? Uh, Smithers says the, uh, the the townspeople see you as a kind of ogre. And he says, why I should s- s- smash them their bones uh, and drink oh, their blood. Soup or whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, very appropriately, Jay says, and if you ever want to visit my show, Bart, no, we're not going to be doing that. Right, anyway, I vote for Stars Burns. Whatever the other episode would be, I vote for Stars Burns. Um, I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna go go and upset Paul here by voting for for Bar of Darkness. Oh, Joe, you bastard! I 
I just th- I do really like a stories but obviously I like all of these episodes because we don't yeah. You know, the best. But that's a nitty gritty here. Well, yes, very true. Um I I do like a stories burns, but I it doesn't have this this classic kind of narrative to it that I think Bar of Darkness does. That that really tells, you know, a story with yeah. you know, and it's it's obviously based on Rear Window, but it has that great story of oh the Simpsons get a pool and that ties into Bar, you know, being locked in his bedroom. It just it's so good. And and Star is Burns is very funny. And I like the idea of the movie festival, but it's a bit more kind of a little bit more gimmicky. You know I, mean? I agree. I, I do agree. I do agree. I mean, I'm not, you know, we, we were just talking about Homer the Great and Deep Space Homer, right? Yeah. That they're these like high concept episodes that I think Stars Burns is even kind of it's even not even high concept, but it's like it almost has no story to it. The, mm. the, 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 the film festival is only a framework for them to make film parodies and do film jokes. Mm. Um, which yes, you know, can be seen as a negative, and actually, I've seen that as a negative in some reviews yeah. of *A Star Is Burns*. But what they do with it is so good <laughs> that it's kind of forgivable, you know. I think the fact um, that we don't know the critic as a show, and we didn't, yeah, really yeah. yeah. absolutely helped it because I can see if you if you just saw it as a crossover, you could be even more dismissive of it. But I think it works better if you don't know that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, they've done. Um, like Family Guy crossover now, um, so you can only imagine if they had done something of that ilk during the heyday of Simpsons with a show that is—I don't know what the critical reaction to the critic was at the time, but like a show that's not particularly well liked. Definitely, people probably could have a bad, bad viewpoint of it. But like, quite part loud. Uh, you suck with Bane, and he's shooting them with a machine gun. Um, Boo Earns, uh, Out My Groin, which is, isn't the lion said, spoken by Han Mulman, um, but is George C. Scott. Uh, oh, my groin. Uh, Senor Spielberg, I mean, go on and on. on. Barry, I hope I can count on your vote. Oh, this is why I said Joe's a bastard, because I, I, I was leaning towards Bart of Darkness. Um, uh, do I do I have the stomach to send a Stars Burns crashing out of the tournament here in the quarterfinals? You you gotta go with what your own gut tells you. I mean, to be that. fair, I love them both. I start, like it's not it's not that I don't like Stars Burns and I want to vote Bart of Darkness. It just makes it this much tougher that I I know I'm cutting one of the greats. Um. Oh God. Uh. <laughs> um. And you know, Barry, I just, like Joe won't hold it against you if you don't vote. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you'll come to my house. I know very vaguely where you live. Mm. No, you, you got you just just you gotta go for whatever no, no, you're no, I, I, genuinely, I am genuinely stumped. because like but yeah, well if I think about like what's a more iconic episode, it probably is the Stars Burns, you know. Um uh, uh, uh Okay, you know what? I, I'm gonna go a Stars Burns. 
Oh, it was drawn out, but it just eeks. Oh, out. that was very tough. If it, oh, oh. If, if the bracketing went out, it went a different way. If it was against maybe, oh, I wouldn't I would even speculate, but, but, but yeah, oh, I don't know. Uh, we already have a huge semi-final for next week. Yeah. Stars Burns versus Homer the Great. Whew. Right, final quarterfinal here, folks. We have, first of all, you only move twice. The number one ranked film in the original list. Um, starring Al Brooks as Hank Scorpio. Uh, the Simpsons move to Cypress Creek. Mm. Uh, Homer is thoroughly enjoying his new job. He's good at it. Uh, but the family, they don't enjoy it. Bart's in the remedial class. Lisa's allergic to everything. Marge drinks a glass of wine because the house is so clean. She's got nothing to do. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Mr. Scorpio says productivity is up 2%, and it's all because of my <laughs> motivational techniques, like donuts and the possibility <laughs> of more donuts. <laughs> um, what else do we got here? Um... Uh, I'm just looking at the stuff you may have missed. Um, The power sander and TV tray that Homer takes from Flanders originally appeared in Marge on the Lamb and Lisa's First Word, respectively. That's interesting. Um, Homer is disappointed with Scorpio's gift of the Denver Broncos, despite the fact that he requests to be John Elway when the family is given new identities as part of the Witness Relocation Program in Cape Fear. There you go. That's a football reference that we wouldn't have got because we don't watch that kind of thing. But there was apparently a little, a little link ski there. Um, Scorpio says, "Don't call me that word. I don't like things that elevate me above the other people. I'm just like you. Oh sure, I come later in the day. I get paid a lot more, and I take longer vacations. But I don't like the word boss." Um. Uh, da, 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 da. When you go home tonight, there's going to be another story on your house. Hank thanking Homer for foiling James Bond's escape. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Doyle, so you never learned cursive? Bart, uh, well, I know hell. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) And then Scorpio's video conference with the UN. Good afternoon, gentlemen. This is Scorpio. I have the doomsday device. You have 72 hours to deliver the gold or you face the consequences. And to prove I'm not bluffing, watch this. He blows up the 59th Street Bridge. UN member number two. Maybe just collapsed on its own. We can't take that chance. You always say that. I want to take a chance. Um, So that's you only move twice. The hammock district, of course, doesn't even get a mention in the book. Um, But again, I'm not going to waste any more time because you only move twice is up against the only episode we haven't done yet in the quarterfinals, you know what it is. The world's been waiting for it. It's Marred versus the Monorail. The Conan O'Brien written season four episode. Let me pull it up. Page 104. Yeah, the two episodes that only got single page spreads are mm. Stars Burns and You Only Move Twice. Marge vs. the Monorail, of course, of course. Is, a double, is a doubler. Yeah. Um, Lyle Lanley, occupation, fast-talking salesman slash con man. <laughs> MO, selling damaged 
possum-infested monorail systems to small towns, including Ogdenville, North Havenbrook, and Brockway, and then skipping out. Praise on small-town ignorance. Attire, a seersucker suit, straw boater, bow tie. Expression, sly contempt. Fears, investigative reporters, particularly those carrying hidden cameras. Um, and his quote, because every episode, every character that gets profiled gets a little quote. The quote they gave him is, you there, eating the paste. <laughs> He's obviously in school. Um, it has the entire monorail song here, which I won't uh, go through. Uh, movie moments here. A couple of movie references. Lyle Lanley acts and sounds like traveling salesman Professor Harold Hill in The Music Man, which I think is... is uh, directly what the episode is based on. I don't yeah. think that's a, yeah. a hidden uh, deal. Uh, and the scene in which Mr. Burns of Smithers is prepared to illegally dump nuclear waste is accompanied by an adaptation of Axel F from Beverly Hills Cop, which also gets used in uh, another episode, Separate Vocation, yeah. which is the Bart Hall monologue. Um, <laughs> Marge, I still think we ought to spend the money to fix Main Street. Homer, well, he should have written a song like that guy. <laughs> uh, Lurleen Lumpkin makes an appearance in this one, but she's not uh, voiced um, by the, the same person. Wasn't Lurleen Lumpkin... Who did Lurleen Lumpkin's voice originally? Um, oh. It was Beverly D'Angelo. Oh, okay. uh, she, she does not provide the voice in this one. It's, uh, I think it's the same person who does Lunch, Lunch Lady Doris's voice. What have you been up to, Lurleen? I spent last night in a ditch. <laughs> uh, this also has the Flintstones intro. Yeah, that's all right. That's quite good. I like that one. I call the big one bitey. Donuts is there anything they can't do? Uh, Leonard Nimoy makes an appearance again for some reason. He just makes the weirdest guest appearances. Yeah, it's um, just like the days they can get him free. <laughs> I guess so. Um, Mayor Quimby says to Nimoy, may the force be with you. And annoyed Nimoy replies, do you even, do you even know who I am? I think I do. Weren't you one of the little rats? <laughs> I think I think the, the Nimoy thing at the end where he, he disappears, I, I think Reese yeah. talks about that in his book as one of the mo- early moments where they sort of appreciated that they were an animated sitcom because they were like, how, how do we end this scene? And someone said, "Just have him Star Trek disappear out of the out of the sea," <laughs> and just by virtue of the nature of the show, they're like, oh, "I guess we can do that." <laughs> he goes like, "But you didn't do anything." Oh, didn't I? I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great Nimoy uh, uh, episode. Uh, here's a joke that they might not have been able to get in in the year of our Lord twenty twenty. Uh, not that it's like risque or anything, but Mr. Burns, after Smithers asks if they should dump a batch of nuclear waste in the playground, no, all of those ball children are arousing suspicion. <laughs> um, here's here's a bit of trivia for you. That the, again, this is the stuff you get from this book. Number of times a poo has been shot this year, requiring him to nearly miss work. Eight. So there you go. So we have Marge versus the monorail versus you only move twice. Hmm. Um. Hmm. I I I think I said on, on the last time we discussed the um 
the monorail that I, I think I was the low man on that episode. I, obviously, it's a classic. It's great. But I, uh, I did not per- perhaps have it on that top level the way a lot of people do. But I will certainly vote for it above You Only Move Twice. I think that's fair. Okay. I think it's I think it's closer than this vote is maybe gonna it's gonna be like another Deep Space Homer, Homer the Great, where Yeah. I don't know that you only move twice is worthy of a three vote whitewash. No, it is great. It is great. I definitely think it is one of the one of the best episodes. And I do as a James Bond fan, I just like that as a, a weird left field plot where he gets a job and his boss is, is a Bond villain. Like it's it's done in a way that's very clever. Um and I really appreciate it. And and as I've the little concerns about recently that I think Marriage versus the Monorail is is a little bit overdone at this stage. Um for me. I mean I, I mean that I've I've seen it so many times. I obviously love it because again I'm a I'm a big Conan O'Brien guy. And the humor in it is very Conan O'Brien-y, yeah, yeah, yeah. specifically. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to vote Marriage versus the Monorail. I mean, come on. Monorail. Monorail. It's got to be. Monorail. 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 I'll also go for Marge versus the Monorail. Go on, then. You've twisted my arm. <laughs> <laughs> is there a chance your vote could change? Not on your life, my Irish friend. Oh, <laughs> just about right. Um, this is all going to be very pointless when Marriage versus the Monorail wins, isn't it? <laughs> no, I mean, there's just never what have we established? Monorail. We've established that the generally consensus best episode is the best episode. Well, so you, you, you put a bullet in Cape Fear too soon, so you know. Well, I I know, but Cape Fear. Which, by all rights, should be in the semi-finals if the brackets... Again, I didn't choose the brackets. Cape Fear went up against Astaris Burns in round one, yeah. <laughs> which is... I would not have... like For me, they are both like seed one episodes, you know? I, 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 should, have, I should have killed Astaris Burns for revenge, but listen... Well, Cape Fear would just be where Astaris Burns is now. You know? it, would, it would win, mate. It would win, so... Yeah. Possibly, I mean, it didn't win. Who's to say? I was thinking in the week, right? Um, although our, our Simpsons knowledge is probably such that it wouldn't work out that way. I thought an interesting thing would be to do like jokes, like put put jokes from certain episodes against each other, and then that would actually like pick like three jokes from each episode mm. and then whichever gets you know you would work out then through points which actually is the best episode apart from us going like <laughs> my favorite is a star burn so i'm voting for that every time you know um that has a little bit of a a, a blind aspect to it but mm. i don't have the time to do it so I mean, it's not gonna happen uh right that's all for this week what we'll do next week is we'll do the semi-finals and final and then we'll close this bracket and mm. we'll else, do something else hell yeah I need to get them Power Slam magazines back out. We haven't done that in a while. Oh, yeah. Right. I don't have any emails Me this week. Uh, I just have the one quick email mm. um, Michelle. She says, mm. Hi, Joe. Last week you asked which country I would rather go to. 
as you mentioned, yeah. I have a personal connection to Mexico, so I'm leaning that way. But also, Japan does have Tokyo Disneyland and Sea, which are the best theme parks in the world. Japan also has Universal Studios Osaka, which still has the Back to the Future ride, as well as ET. Uh, because the person who emailed didn't include me, I'm going to choose both Mexico and Japan. Mexico has so much history that I still haven't explored, and the food is amazing. Thanks for asking. Okay, thanks for showing everybody else the question there. But it's, it's, it's fine. And she wants to do both. She wants to be be bear, which will do both. Um, so that's my emails for the week. I was watching um one of the Zack Ryder, well Matt Cardona, excuse me, uh Brian Myers blogs where or video vlogs they call them. They call them vlogs. vlogs. Yes, Brian, guys, go on. <laughs> I was watching it on Google Video, um, where they went to um. To Japan, and they went to. I forgot the name of the shop now, it was on the tip of my tongue. Uh, it's like to do Todokan. What's the name of the rest of the shop? Oh, um, Todokan. Todokan. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I, I want to go there. That shop looks great. Yeah, I got a, a friend of mine went there and brought me a souvenir, it was great. Oh, it looks so good. It looks so good. It's a, a copy of Wrestling Weekly with, with Hiroshi Tanahashi on the cover. And a, a, a Roshi Tanahashi uh, trading card. That's great. Because um, um, I'm still listening to their uh, Figure Wrestling Federation podcast, which I, again, give a huge recommendation to. It's like the highlight of my week. Listen to that now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like When it comes to me and my, my Zelda books, um, the Japanese books is kind of... That's kind of where I've drawn the line where I think it would be extremely cool to have some Japanese Zelda books, but kind of half of the appeal of collecting them is having them, but half of the appeal is actually reading them. <laughs> and I don't speak of Japan. So. Uh, uh, uh. Wait, wait, what's Super Mario doing? I don't speak of Japan. <laughs> I don't read the Zelda books. <laughs> yeah i mean because when you look on on the ebay.coms sometimes you do get like you know a really cool like and not very expensive like a link to the past japanese guide i'm like fuck that'd be so cool but as i said like part of the appeal for me as well as having them is to read them like i can't justify to buy stuff just to have it on the shelf you know so, uh, but I would, I would like to visit, um, I would like to visit that shop one day and buy a little, I don't know, you know, liger mask or something cool. Yeah. Uh, will we jump in on that note to the Russell Goff. Um, yes. Yeah. Whom watched Dynamite this week? Of course, we all watch Dynamite every week. Dynamite. What did you make of Dynamite Joe? Uh, I was a bit disappointed. Disappointed? Yeah. In what aspect were you disappointed? Because I, it wasn't. It was a pretty good. It was a good show. It was a really good show. But was I was it, just. It was, it was, sorry, go on. I was just. It, I thought it was a very good show with so certain disappointments. But I thought overall it was very. I, good. I thought it was very good, but I was just. I was very much on the hype train. 
um, from the from the build to it. Yeah. With, with the anniversary and with the dog collar match, I was thinking it was going to be you know all time great dynamite, and it it didn't quite get to level, but it was very very good. So I think it was just my disappointment was I built it up too much. In my they definitely didn't do a lot with the Jericho. Yeah, anniversary. I was expecting like a "This is your life," you know, rock mankind cut segment instead of a dreadful tag team match. Instead of a, uh, oh, a tag team match, which I had to fast forward through because it was oh, so oh it was so bad. bad. It was so bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, it built me up. You know, I watched the the road to the anniversary video, um, and I thought they actually did a good job of making it something. You know, oh, he's facing the guy that he broke in with, and da, da, da. It was yeah, kind of interesting. But yeah, it was just so bad. They put all that effort into that road too, but the guy himself could not deliver. They honestly, I don't know what his physical condition is, but they should have brought in Lance Storm and said, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, there's maybe I don't want to cast aspersions, but there's maybe a reason Luther's not been on TV for thirty years. <laughs> do you think? Do you think? I don't think that's casting aspersions. I think that's looking at life and realizing what it is. You know, I I, I think 2010 TNA Hulk Hogan was throwing better big boots than Luther did in this match. Yeah, God, he's yeah, his mobility was not uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> not able to I, I, on a better note, I thought the the dog collar match was tremendous. Yeah, I thought it was really. It good. was. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry, yeah, it was really good. So obviously, suffered like all these matches from a lack of a crowd. I think if it had a if it had a really hot crowd, you can imagine that match being so 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 good. But it did deliver. I, th- I did think it was good. Yeah, I was. I was wondering at the start of it that. I kind of wanted it to be a little bit more brutal, I suppose, but it it did get there. It, it it got it got there. Like you know when you 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 have the chain, and so they do the the chain across the like the back, but yeah. they they never look like they're they're hitting them with it very hard. They're just mm. kind of like throwing it across their back. Mm. I was like, what I want is the lad to grab the chain and 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 whip him, hit him right across the head with it, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like not around the fist, just as if you would hit someone with a kendo stick, but with chains, whack right in the head. I want to see lads' heads caved in and bruised, and you know, re. <laughs> you, I want to see the man murdered. <laughs> um, no, obviously, obviously not to that extent, mm. but. Like when they're building it up as like we, there's been 37 years since the last match of this kind because it's so brutal, da da da, and then they're doing like, I'm sure it's it's not like hokey, but hokey looking chain across the back, um, because it's like, right, I I'm gonna sound very much now like the 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 fat lad in the armchair going, <laughs> Marcus Rashford, I would have stuck that free kick in for 30 years, you're rubbish, but. I, I always like um, when, when wrestling looks really sore, but actually isn't. So whether it's like a gimmick chain or whatever, and they're hitting each other over the head with it. I, I don't like so much when wrestling doesn't look so sore, but probably is. Like these lads taking chain across the back probably sucks, but like, it looks a bit hokey. Um, So that's kind of a, a, a little pet peeve of mine. But yeah, I thought it definitely built to... Um, 
hell of a, a brute. I, I, I love the visual of him like wrapping the chain around Brody's head. Mm. Oh, yeah. That was the kind of stuff that, that was, I was cool. That was, I was up for. Um, Cody loves a bit of color, doesn't he? Well, you knew for a fact it was happening in this match. Absolutely. Oh well, it, it, but it was it was deserved in this match. Yeah, because it's a dog collar match. You know, when you build it up as brutal, you, you're going to have mm. both both men bleed. Um, interesting that Cody now with the dark hair almost loses something because he doesn't get that Ric Flair yeah. hair anymore. Um, I wonder if he might go back to the, the blonde look at some stage. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it works better visually from that point of view. Um, it was funny with um, when when Brody got busted from a pile driver through a table. Uh, that was yeah. a, that was a funny one because it wasn't like a a you know blunt impact blow to the head mm. per se. Um, so actually watching it, it, it seemed funny when he came he came up bleeding. I was like, that was a bit weird, oh, given that he's they, taken like they, they, chain punches to the head throughout the match. They did that during the break as well, which is weird. Oh well, I watched on the fight TV one. Oh, just, okay, uh, I mean, sort of like. <laughs> on fight tv it um they go like we're going to break now and then it just continues with slightly quieter commentary which is weird um no it was it was an extremely good match one of the one of the better matches of the year um yeah what i didn't like then right and here's what almost ruined it i'm there, with you 100 percent. Right? i know oh you know what's coming yeah yeah Ruined it a little bit is little Orange Cassidy coming out at the end. Thumbs up. Can we get rid of Orange Cassidy for a while? Yeah, I agree. Oh, I like the promo afterwards. I thought that was great. Fired up. Yeah. All that stuff. But yeah, Orange, it's not the right, not the right situation. This is this is the first AW example of something being rammed down our throats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think in particular, it's just like at the end of the day, he wants to defend that title every week. So you're going to get some, you know, retreads and not necessarily the top tippy top stars. But like Cassidy just lost a TNT title shot. Like, give it a couple of weeks before you run that back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or or give us some stuff that we've not seen before. You know, like new stuff. I understand that they they don't have the crowds in. They don't want to blow all their. They're big, big stuff. But like, I'd be interested to see something like Cody versus, um, I don't know, like Adam Page or Cody. Well, sorry, that that is a big thing they maybe don't want to blow through. But like a Cody versus anyone, they could do like um, a Santana, Phoenix, or yeah, Santana. Anyone, yeah. There's stuff they can do that is uh, like new. Um, I'm just not so much into Orange Cassidy as kind of a normal wrestler, which he kind of has developed into a little bit. Yeah, and, and it's just like, because like you mentioned the promo, like Cody does this big, like it's a very much a Dusty Rhodes style, you know, uh, passionate tears in his eyes. We, we got it back, baby, you know. Uh, and then Cassidy goes, oh, yeah, that was just a bummer. Rest, rest of the show was, was fine, nothing, nothing too great. Uh, about 10 million New Japan references, which is funny. 
Um, yeah, dude, and logo. They had Tanahashi saying hello to. They had Tanahashi film a cameo for Jericho. Um, uh, they had Archer referencing his match with Moxley in Japan, which was this year, by the way, with photos. And then they had Moxley reference it as well. And I think there was one other time uh, someone else on commentary, I think, might have mentioned it at one point. So that was just that was just funny. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, so that was that was dynamite. Yeah, I like the Brian Cage Will Hobbs match. Oh yes, yeah, that was that was very good. Yeah, Will Hobbs is, is great. Two big, two big, big hosses slamming meat. <laughs> I have to say, I love Taz as well. Just did everything he does in, in AEW was great. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Huh, the cover of their cage. I do tough love out here sometimes. You know, very good. Um, yeah, that match is very good. Uh, I thought the FTR match was better this week. I like yeah. Jack Evans and Angelic. Yeah, I, th- I was the same. What else? Cody Rhodes Brody. Uh, Big Swole Serena. That's pretty good. Nice. Right. Yeah, it was solid. solid. They're doing Big Swole and uh, Sheeta next week, which would be good. Ooh. I'd be interested to see more Serena as well. Yeah, well, they signed her, which is good. Yeah, she, she. Not that Big Swallow's not good, but Serena seems like one of the, one of the people along the lines of a a Thunder Rosa, where everything they do, everything they do is just kind of effortlessly good. Mm. Um, I'm like, I made the mistake. Let's call it um, after watching a, an entire G One show. Uh, I don't know how I came across. Uh, Peyton Royce versus Billy Kay from main event. Ooh, let me tell you, that was night and day. <laughs> that was two people thinking what the next move I have to do is, rather than again, like Serena Deeb, effortlessly just doing it. Deer in the headlights. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, there's only five matches on this line. Yeah, there was there wasn't much else to. Uh... Uh, there wasn't much else to say. What did you make of the MJ, uh, MJF Jericho stuff after the match? You liked it, Joe? Well, I like the that segment not so much, but I like the, the, the direction of it. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. I thought I thought it was a um, like the match was bad, and I thought they were at least going to redeem it by just having a, Jer- a Jericho speech, and then. I like the MJF angle, but yeah, that specific segment was just kind of lame. Anytime you bring out a fucking clown, it's always going to be so bad. Jericho absolutely killed that clown with the Judas effect. Yeah, I did like that. I wonder when, when they eventually pull the trigger on the Jericho MJF thing, is Jericho going to be the face? That's that's where it seems like it's going. Yeah, I, I was kind of fantasy booking this in my head, and I reckon MJF's going to take over the inner circle and tough Jericho. It looks... It's, it feels like that's the way it's going. Maybe him and Sammy are in cahoots. That's the whole kind of thing. Mm. Interesting. I tell you what, I would not be against a baby face 2020 Jericho. Yeah, no, good. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you already have the fans chant his song when he comes out. He's Even though he's a heel, he's got that kind of... He's a beloved old-timer. <laughs> Not that he's old, but you know, well, he he's is, like yeah. he's, he's passed into legend status where he's he's like like a Ric Flair, where people are going to cheer for him, whatever he does. Um, 
So why not go with him as a babyface? Like he's kind of has he kind of done it all as a heel in in the year that's passed with with all the top guys that they have. Uh, he's, done, he's done the Cody thing. He's done the Adam Page. He's done Moxley. Uh, he's done Orange. He's done Omega. You know. Yeah. So maybe. Maybe it's time. Maybe it is time. I think that's yeah. That's fair. I like the little slow burn they're doing with it. It's it's uh it's going good. Um, so let me tell you about the old New Japan since it was all over AEW. Yeah, go on. Uh, so I've watched all fourteen Jesus shows, fucking hell. including six this week. Uh, as I said, there were shows on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and today. None on Friday. So on Thursday, I watched G1 and Dynamite. Um, uh, there was one day that was particularly good, which was yesterday's. Okay. Uh, today's was was the show to go out of your way to watch. Um, you had Jeff Cobb, Tomohiro Ishii in both men's best match so far. They had kind of like an even better version of the Will Hobb, uh, Brian Cage. Oh, okay, Hoss Battle. Hoss Battle, but like an extremely good one. Um, you had uh, Will Ospreay, Tai Chi in again, both men's uh, best match so far. That was Ospreay's best match so far. Yeah, Ospreay's been having a bit of an off. Yeah, I kind of uh, heard that. Yeah. Um, I think all the, all the weight he's put on the fact- has resulted is is not he's not as good <laughs> he's he's a, he still does he still does the old springboard into the superman pose he still does all the moves but there's there's just a an element missing from his matches the 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 excitement of that he can do anything is kind of gone uh now you know he only does these certain moves um i don't know what it is about his matches they're just a little a little uninspired you know and i'm trying to I'm trying to watch them with some level of what's even the word for it. Like, you know, I, I'm obviously not a Will Ospreay fan, let's say. Um, but, you know, his matches, it's just something objectively about his matches that are, that are off. He just, he's just lost a, a step. Maybe Tai Chi is someone who I've never read to be honest. Yeah. Well, no, yeah this, match, this match was quite good. This, this was, both men's best match. Um, then you had sit down for this one, folks. Kota Ibushi, Minoru Suzuki. That was as good as you would expect. Um, that was brilliant. <laughs> that was a brilliant mm. match. Um, Minoru Suzuki is like my favorite New Japan guy. He's like fifty-two. He's still <laughs> like the still like the best wrestler. He's older than Jericho. Yeah. Um, Minoru Suzuki still is. The reason Minoru Suzuki is good is he, of course, comes off as a big, tough man. But he's like the best seller in, in the whole company. Um, He's just every every little little knee. Like there was the match he had with um, Tanahashi years ago, which is like the quintessential how to sell a, a leg. Um, He's just so good at it. And, and Ibushi, although Ibushi, I think, is like the weirdest looking person maybe in the world with his little bowl cut hair. Um, God, he did such a good match. They're great. Uh, and then main event, Okada against Shingo. Oh, was real fucking good. Real fucking good. What 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 kind of tournament is Okada having? 
he's having a little bit of a, an understated tournament as well. He's not quite been having the the home runs that you might expect. Okay. Um, I would say of of block A, the the more reliable, uh, good match havers have been like Ishi J White, who I'm not a huge J White guy, but he's having a good G one. Mm. Uh, Ibushi Suzuki and Chingo. Um, so that that is uh, night thirteen. That's been the best show so far of the entire G one. Uh, night fourteen, which was today, was extremely boring. Um, let me give you some names, right? Okay. Uh, Zack Saber Junior. and Yoshihashi had the best match on the show. Oh, Yoshihashi having the best match on the show. That's yeah, I I agree. <laughs> he Yoshihashi sucks. Mm. Uh, has the worst submission move I've ever seen. He does like a single underhook, nothing, and it's a submission hold. I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to be. Um, that match was the best match in the show. Kenta, as who you might remember from WWE, as... <laughs> yes, I do. Thank you. Hideo Itami, sir. Hideo, oh, oh my yeah, god, Hideo Itami. Um, Kenta is like the most boring wrestler in New Japan. Um, he managed to have a boring match with Toru Yano, which is almost impossible because Yano is like the funniest guy. Yeah, that he had like a boring Toru Yano match. Incredible. Uh, Sanada uh, and Juice Robinson had a boring match. I tell you what, I don't know what it is about the Lij guys, right? As, apart from Shingo, but like Sanada, Evil, and Naito, I don't really get any of them. I think they're all a bit bland and all a bit boring. Yeah, I've never. I, I yeah, I don't really. I like Hiromu and all the other Lij guys. I don't like. Not that I don't, yeah, Hiromu, I, I don't like them. Is that's probably strong. I just don't get it. They're just a bit like, especially when you've watched Block A with like Suzuki and Ibushi and Okada and Shingo, and then you have like the main event here was Evil against Naito in a twenty-five minute fucking bore the hole off your match. <sighs> uh, and you had Goto Tanahashi, which was which was all right, but I didn't really get into it. Um, so yeah, if you're gonna watch any any G one, check out uh, Night Thirteen, and uh, skip the Jay White Yujiro Takahashi match because Yujiro is right down there. Is like well, the yeah, yeah, the Yujiro as well. Um, but yeah, Jeff Kabishi was great. Osprey Taichi was great. Ibushi Suzuki was excellent. And Okada Chingo was excellent as well. So that's the show to watch if you're going to watch any G1. And the good thing, as always, the good thing about G1 is it's only five matches a show. And in Block A, you have the Yujiro match, which is only ever goes like seven minutes. And then on Block B, you have the Yano match, which goes like six minutes. And so it's really only four matches to watch. And two of them usually go like twelve minutes, and two of them go like twenty minutes. So it's not a huge, it's not a huge commitment, you know. Um, and then we had the WWE draft. The notable thing, well, we're halfway through it. The notable thing is they broke up the new day. Yeah. After six years, it feels like longer. Yeah, well, twenty fourteen is when it started. 
like this is kind of like a shock to the system, Allegedly. but at a, at, a, at a certain point, it's kind of like, eh, you probably should. Look, they've 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 done everything, you know. They've everyone wants the big E thing, so let's 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 go all in on it, you know. I like that they didn't do like a turn or a, a thing like that. I like that they they went they're going their separate ways, but they can you know, re-team in the future if needs be, or depending on what the the direction they go with that is. Um, yeah, I'm surprised they had the, 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 the two boys win the titles. Obviously, that was to, to, to serve the the twist that one of them wasn't going with the other two. But um, I would almost like to see all three of them go their separate ways if they're going to split them off. Um, yeah. Like fair enough. Like Biggie is having this little singles run now uh, in WWE, but I'd be interested to see what a single Kofi Kingston or a singles Xavier Woods looks like in in twenty twenty. I mean, Xavier Woods to me, fair enough. He he returned here. Xavier Woods to me seems like he's got one foot out the door. <laughs> um, so I'd be interested to see what his long term prospects are. I don't know if we're going to see him around for too much longer in a in a full-time capacity. Um, he's, he's, you know, constantly angling to, uh, to be a G4 host. And he's, he changed his like Twitter handle from Xavier Woods, PhD to Austin Creed wins. Mm. His Instagram. Mm. Now I know that, you know, there's obviously the cameo. Oh WWE, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Right? But Xavier Woods is kind of so entrenched in that, that I wonder if he has, one eye on the door in terms of being a full-time WWE guy. That might be something worth mm-hmm. keeping an eye on for the coming year. But yeah, I'd be interested to see what like a, a singles Kofi Kingston looks like post-New Day. That'd be something that'd be interesting to me. Um, I don't think there's anything else notable from the draft. The draft used to be like my, my absolute favorite uh, WWE show of the year to watch. Um, but that was back when I had some kind of allegiance to watching SmackDown. Now it is also back when you could stomach watching their programming, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't think there was anything else notable from that draft. Oh, um, Lara Sullivan returns. Oh, remember him? Grace, yeah. Um, they moved Seth to SmackDown as a big enough thing, I guess. Yeah, well, they they moved everyone involved in that Rey Mysterio storyline over to SmackDown, which is weird. So it's like I thought, like they could probably do with some male baby faces on that side since Roman's a heel now. Now they've got two yeah. two massive heels, and I, well, I guess Ray Dominic is going to be their big baby face. Um, has Otis cashed in that briefcase yet? Nope. Oh, well, that's shut me up. Um, yeah, so that's the old draft. Um, and I think that'll, that'll do it for the wrestle guff for this weekend. It'll do it for the show. Uh, we'll be back. Oh, this was by the way, before we end, this was the yesterday was the 10th year anniversary of the Bound for Glory 10 10 10. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're here 10 10 20. We used to, well, I know I did, I was still watching Impact Weekly at that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we were, we had already. Been doing the podcast for eight months or whatever. Yeah, we, we were 
these these episodes are, are available, of course, at chairshotpodcast.com if you ever want to go back and for whatever reason listen to any of them. But um 2010, we were reviewing weekly Raw, SmackDown, oh. NXT, and Impact. Yeah. Um what a slog. I mean I I do I do miss those days a little bit. I I miss being able to I mean, fair enough. I've actually watched more wrestling than that this week, <laughs> but, but I miss, um, like, not necessarily 2010, but like Impact was good in like 2012 for a good, good couple of months, um, and I actually, and I, I maintain to this day, I, I quite like Jeff Hardy in that role. I like little heel Jeff Hardy with his another <laughs> moon. Uh, that little song yet. That was great. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that one. And what, which was one of the pay-per-views that he came out smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, when he's facing Kenny. Great. Yeah. I like that a lot. Kennedy, well, that wasn't great. But just when he came out not taking... Yeah, because he wasn't taking it seriously. It was Kennedy. Because, you know, Kennedy's shy, obviously. Mm. So Jeff Hardy came out dressed in like a suit. Oh, was great. Oh, TNA, I miss you. Come back. Anyway, um, you know, we, I hope you all enjoyed your Bound for Glory rewatch. Um, uh, and then listen to the podcast where we talk about Bound for Glory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we'll be back next week. We've got a big episode of Dynamite this week that we can chat about Lance Archer versus Moxley, best friends, FTR, Sheeta versus Swole, Cody versus Orange Cassidy. Um, you know, the follow up to the draft, more G1. I'm sure we'll have more video games and scary movies. And I want to get started on that uh, haunting of Bly Manor that came out today. Yeah, that came out. Also, um, I don't know if you guys ever watched. Uh, World of Tomorrow by Don Hertzfeld, but the third episode just came out. Mm. So I'm going to check that out. It's, I think it's on his... You can get it on Vimeo for like five euro or something. So I'm going to check that out. If, you're ne- if you've never seen World of Tomorrow, by the way, it is a, a short like animated film by this guy called Dom, uh, Don Hertzfeld. It's, it's really, really good. Highly recommend it. I think you can probably get that on his Vimeo as well if you're not seeing it. Like half an hour long. They're really brilliant. Little like weird sci-fi animation. It's great. Alrighty. And uh, on that note, we shall call it a broadcast. Um, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, com for more. And it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Mr. Paul Griffin. <laughs> <laughs>